The title of my message this morning uh, is Fight the Good Fight. Fight the Good Fight. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Very, very familiar passage. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. You know, as I was driving up here last evening, uh, I was thinking about this message. And my heart uh, thought this thought because as you look at David here as he fights Goliath, it's such a decisive victory. And sometimes in ministry, you wish that you just fought a very decisive victory. But sometimes ministry is not like that. I would say all the time ministry is not like that. And the Lord spoke to my heart as I was looking at what took place here in the life of David. And he helped me to realize that this was really not, though it was a decisive victory, the end of it for David. Really, this was just the beginning of it for David. It should have been a coronation for the one that had already been crowned the next king of Israel or anointed the next king of Israel at this point. Going out and whooping the the champion of the Philistines. We see really this was not a coronation. It was the beginning of a course for David. And over the next so many years, he was running for his life. And it was a fight. And let me say this. I love ministry. I'm so glad that God called me when I was 16, 17 years of age to preach the word of God. It is precious to stand behind this pulpit and to have that opportunity to proclaim the word of God. But ministry many times is a struggle and it's difficult. And I don't want to stand behind this pulpit and try and give you a false sense of what it is. You need to know going into it that it's a fight but it's one of the most rewarding fights that you'll ever fight. But you're going to need some tools in your toolbox to prepare you for that fight that's ahead for you. And I believe here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, we see David, even at a very young age, with some wonderful tools that God had placed in his toolbox. And I'm not just talking about the sling that we see a little bit further on in the chapter. I want you to see that David was faithful to fight the fight of faith. Look here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I don't want to read the whole passage. We're very familiar with the passage, so I don't want to do that. But let's pick up in verse number 9. Goliath speaking to the people of Israel. He said, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then... Uh, shall ye serve, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I want you to understand their response was not the response that David had. In fact, as you go just a little bit forward, over in verse number 16, it says, this occurred for 40 days. 40 days, uh, Goliath stood out there in that valley and said, send a man out and let's fight and let's decide who's going to be the victor, either either the Philistines or the Israelites, and I defy your God. For 40 days, he did that. And for 40 days, Saul and his men did nothing. They listened. And they were afraid and they were dismayed. But we see something different took place 
down in verse number 23. But let's pick up in 22. It says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And notice this phrase. I have it underlined in my Bible because this changed Goliath's life. It says, and David heard them. And David heard them. For 40 years or for 40 uh, uh, days, Saul had heard these same things. The king of Israel. And now for one day and for one time, David hears this. And it changes Goliath's life. Verse number 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches. And will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies now notice what he says, because over here, Goliath said the armies of Saul. Just a few, few verses back, now he's talking about how these are Saul's men. But David had it understood. He understood what was going on. He said the armies of the living God. You see, David had something bigger to fight for. Listen, finances, success, those things are, are going to pale uh, when you put them up against the true reason why we should be fighting the fight that God has called us to, and, and that's for Him. That's for Him. So let's look at a few things this morning in fighting this good fight of faith. First of all, uh, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we must be a people that perceive by faith. We must be a people that perceive by faith. That's what made the difference between what Saul did in verse number 11 and what David did over in verse number 23. Let me give you an example of that from Scripture. Caleb and Joshua, or Joshua and Caleb. As you look at those two men, they're a, a wonderful example of two men that looked at a situation and saw their God instead of seeing the problem. And look, our churches. God's work needs men and ladies that will see their God instead of seeing the problem that is in front of us. And I'm going to be honest, as you look at the world that we live in today, there are some glaring problems that are in front of us. There's some huge difficulties that are in front of us. And in ministry, many times, you're going to come up against things that are very difficult and as you look at them, you're going to be tempted to focus on the problem instead of focusing on God. And we see here David understood something, even at this young age, that he must keep his focus on God. This was faith that was going on in his life. What is the definition of faith? Definition of faith is believing and acting upon the instructions and promises of God. I would hold up Hebrews chapter number 11 as a proof text for that. Because everyone that's mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 11, they either followed an instruction that God gave them or claimed a promise that God had given them. I would amend my definition just a little bit. And I would say this, it would also include the experiences of my life in the context of the Word of God. If I've applied the Word of God and I've seen success, that ought to be a help to my faith, a, a bolster to my faith. 
Uh, Also, I I would say if I have disobeyed the word of God and I've seen failure in my life, that should be a help to me to understand what I should do in the future. And we see that even in this text as David remembers the things that God had done with his life as a shepherd when he had the lion and he had the bear. But we see uh, here that faith is believing and acting upon the instructions and promises of God's word. We see it uh, in the life uh, of Caleb and Joshua. And, And let me say this. We need to be people that see the problem by faith. And that is, I look past the problem and look to my God. And as we do that, we have the first step for being able to have victory in our life. You see, David fought this fight. But there was a long, drawn-out fight between here and when he was placed on the king, uh, placed on the throne of Israel. There was a long, drawn-out fight, and it just needed, uh, it needed some endurance uh, on his part. And we see that he had to keep his eyes on God. I think of one specific instance a little bit further on in the book uh, of 1 Samuel when David is very discouraged. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He went back to the character of God and encouraged himself. And there's going to be times when we have problems in our life that loom large and we're going to have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's be honest. I was talking to um, Brother Spencer before uh, the the service this morning and, and Monday for me was a difficult day of ministry. And I was discouraged. I told him I would be lying if I told you that I'm not discouraged. But with the Lord's help, I'm not going to quit Because it's heavy many times. And we have to back up. We have to get our eyes back on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, Tuesday was a rough day for me after Monday. But Tuesday, I didn't have my eyes on the Lord like I ought to. You know what you need at a time like that? You need a godly wife. I'm so thankful that my wife just impatience listens to me, (laughs) and she knows I'm, like, off in left field somewhere. (laughs) She knows how not uh, focused that I am on God, but I'm focused on the problem, but just her patience and love to walk with me through those things. But I tell you this, we're going to keep on keeping on because God's bigger than whatever it is that we face. And David understood that. And he had a confidence that God was able to take care of this giant that was out there in the valley. And whatever it is you face in ministry, you need the confidence to know that the God that you serve is bigger than whatever that problem is. I love it. Over in the book of Acts, the Bible says that when they were threatened and told that they could not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, they went back and they prayed. And as they started their prayer, they, they praised God for being the God that made all things. 
You know, if nothing else can get you back on track, just look up in the sky and see the universe that God has created. And if God spoke all that to an existence in just one day, here, here's, the, here's the phrase that he gave, and he made the stars also. That's what we get. And God hung it all in space. That's a big God. That's someone we can rest upon. That's someone we can base our life upon. That's someone that we can go to the battlefield knowing that he is capable of winning that fight. So we see we need the faith to perceive by faith those things that are placed in front of us, those problems that are placed in front of us and understand. And by the way, let me just, this is a practical thing I just want to insert here. You know, the most dangerous thing that Israel faced when they got to the land was not the problems, the most dangerous thing that they faced when they got to the land of promise was success. And I'm going to tell you, maybe God, not maybe, I said that last night in devotions to the dorm. God knows in my life what I need better than I know what I need in my life. And maybe he knows I can't take an easy road. Maybe he knows I need a difficult road because it'll keep me on my face and it'll keep me on my knees and it'll keep me dependent upon him because we see some of the, the worst failures and all the worst of word of God was when people had success and people had a, a, a time of ease and a time of rest that they began to forget God. May we, during the difficult times, remember God, but also during the restful times, Remember not to forget God. And remember, he's the one that places those things in our life. So we see, we need to have the faith to perceive, uh, to fight the good fight. Number two, we need to have the faith to persist, to fight the good fight. I want you to see here in verse number uh, 27, it says, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spake unto the men of Eliab's, uh, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the countenance. Uh, I know thy uh, pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Uh, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? <laughs> Is there not a cause? We need faith to persist, number one. In spite of criticism, in spite of personal criticism. Listen, his brother chose to personally criticize him. Notice what he said. I know who you've left those few sheep in the wilderness with. Only older brothers know how to do that. How many of you are the youngest child? God bless your heart. My Joshua is my youngest, and he gets it from everybody above him. Three above him, Caleb, Gracie, Bryson, all of them just unload on that poor guy. Yeah, you feel it, don't you? Yeah, and we see an older brother that knows just how to dig it in. He says, who'd you leave those few sheep with? Well, you may, you know, he might have been smarting a little bit too because he got passed over and David got anointed. He may have been having a hard time. God's the one that had the final say on that one. But we see uh, the personal criticism. And when you are in ministry, I promise you this, there will be people that have, listen, they, they may have things in their life that have caused them some hurt, have caused them some, this is something uh, that has been said to me that I think is so true. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And we see they're going to find what just pushes your buttons 
and they're going to criticize you and they're going to put you down and they may be on your team. Listen, I want you to see that everything between uh, the beginning of this chapter and verse number 38 are the friends of David. They are the ones that are on his side. These are the Israelites that are speaking to him. He said, I'm going to go out and fight this man. His brother criticizes him. So we see we're to persist in spite of personal criticism. But then number two, we're to persist in spite of professional opinions. Notice here in the, in the passage, look down in verse number 29. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again the for, uh, after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, I love this verse, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and will fight with this Philistine. Little David steps up, throws out his chest. He says, Saul, don't you worry. I'll go out and fight him. Now, that's funny if you think about it because Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. If there's anybody that should have been going out to fight Goliath, it was Saul. And little David's looking up saying, don't you worry. Let not your heart be troubled. I'll go out there and I will fight. And Saul looks at him and he says very pointedly. And Saul said to David, thou art not able. Let me ask you something. Did David get it done? Yeah, I want you to understand this. It wasn't in his strength. It was in God's strength. But God used David. Listen, here's the thing. You need to listen to the spiritual advice of spirit-led people around you. But if there's someone that's carnal and fleshly trying to tell you you can't do something, you look at God. Because David here said, you know what, Saul, I hear what you're saying. I know you're the king. I know you're the head of the army. But I sense that God is able to win this fight. And I believe he can use me to win that fight. So we see, in spite of professional opinion, you may be told you can't accomplish it. And I don't want you to leave here saying that Pastor Browder said, if I just want it bad enough, I can get it. There's too much of that that goes on. But if God has led you that way, You don't back up from it because God is more than able. I want you to understand that what I look at in ministry is a difficult situation, but over and over and over again, the Lord is telling me, just continue. Just continue. Just keep your eyes on me. I have more than enough strength to help you for whatever that is in front of you. And for you that set out, here's a realistic view. Whatever God wants you to accomplish you can accomplish it in his strength. If you'll allow him to work through your life, it can be accomplished. Now, let me say this. I said this last night in the men's dorm. Ministry, and I've said this to my wife, you have this idea when you're here that from point A to point B is the straight line. It's just going to be this beautiful process in ministry. Everything you dream of from A to B, it's going to be so exciting. But I've said to my wife, honey, Ministry is messy. It's just messy. And you know why? Because we're working with sinners. And you know what? God's using a sinner. (laughs) So it's messy. There's things I need to learn. There's things they need to learn. There's things that God is teaching all of us as we move from A to B. 
And, and we see many times it's just messy uh, along the road. But listen, understand this. Whatever God wants you to do from point A to point B, he can give you the strength to be able to do it. Just keep your eyes on him. Don't let others tell you it cannot be accomplished. Because if God's put that in your heart, if God's shown you that from his word, if you're following God's leadership in your life and you're claiming his strength, it can be accomplished. So we see we need to have the faith to persist in spite of personal criticism, in spite of professional opinion. Listen to this one. In spite of and in light of past experiences. In spite of and in light of past experiences. You know, many people fail to continue on in their Christian life because of something that has happened in their past. Don't do that. God is the one that's in charge of the things that have gone on in your life. He's placed it there for a reason. Listen, it's how you respond. I was talking to a pastor friend the other day, and he said, Randy, I was abused sexually when I was a child. And I never knew that. When he told me that, I thought, what? I never knew that. But he said, you know, I've never let it define me. I've, I've, accept, I've, I've accessed God's help, God's grace. He's helped me, and I've moved past it. And he's used me. Understand this. It's your response to the wrongs that have been done to you in your life. It's your response to your past that is important. I can't control what happens to me, but I can respond spirit-filled the way that God would have me to. And that's going to make all the difference. This man is being used of God to help others because of what he's been through. He can talk to people and help people with things that I, I could never even enter into. But he has something in his toolbox that God can use to help others because he's seen the grace of God active in his life. And he can show others how that grace can be active in their life. Listen, don't let your past hinder you from what God has for you. But just as we can't let our past hinder us uh, from the standpoint of the, the negatives of it, we have to leave the past behind. We can't live there. We can't live there. But I want you to see what David does. In, in, in spite of and in light of his past experiences, Saul says to him, you can't do it. He says, well, Saul, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> he says in verse number 34, And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of, the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. You ever had something happen to you in your life and you're like, God, why did you let that happen? And you didn't understand it. But I tell you this, when David got to this point, all of a sudden the light bulb came on and he said, wait a minute, that's exactly why God allowed that to happen out there in that pasture. That's exactly why he gave me the strength to go out and fight that lion and to fight that bear. It was a past victory in my life that prepared me for the battle that was ahead. And he says to Saul, I offer up this proof. God helped me then and he'll help me now. And for him, it became a point of clarity where he began to understand what God had done in his life was to prepare him for what he had him for now. Listen, be patient as God puts you through that testing, as he puts you that, through that proving process because he's preparing you and equipping you for what he has for you. God knows best how to develop his servants. So we see 
We need the, the faith to perceive. We need the faith uh, to persist. Uh, but then I want you to see we need the faith to participate. You know, you got to get off the bench. You got to get out there and you got to do it. And we see David not only talks a good talk here, but he begins to put some things in action. Saul says, come over here, boy. If you're going to go, you got to get some armor on. He puts all his armor on and David's just walking around clanking that armor. I don't know if it's clanking. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but here's what I, it probably looked ridiculous. It probably looked like my youngest son who's in ninth grade putting on something that I have. He weighs about 100 and, 110 pounds soaking wet, and I weigh quite a bit more than 200. So to put my clothes on him would look totally ridiculous. To put my basketball shoes on him would look totally ridiculous. But understand this. We see that Saul said, here's what you've got to have to be able to be successful. Listen, you know what you need to be successful? Whatever God's put in your toolbox. That's what you need to be successful because your God knows exactly the talents and abilities you need to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Now, let me say this. I think this is important. David continued to develop in this area of warfare. I don't think David was satisfied with a sling the rest of his life. He continued to train. He continued to get better. We find him later on handling a sword. So we understand that there was improvement. And there is a place for developing and sharpening the skills that God has given you. And we see David did that. Now look, he had the heart of a champion, did he not? And he needed to develop some skills on the other side of this. But at this point, what he had was enough. What he had, God was willing to use and work through. So we see, he says, I, I can't take this armor. But then you see something here in verse number 39 and 40. It says, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assuaged to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And notice what he took, verse number 40. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I want you to notice the tools that he had. Very, very uh, a small amount of tools that he had. His staff, five smooth stones, a shepherd's bag. I guess you could throw that around the Goliath's neck and choke him to death. I, I, and then we see, lastly, in a sling. That's all he had. You know what dawned on me one time as I was reading through this? That is so, uh, sm that's such a small amount of tools that he had in his hand. But even that small amount of tools, he didn't even use them all. He used the sling and a stone. And then he borrowed Goliath's sword. <laughs> we see just a very small amount. You know what God needs? He doesn't need anything. He just needs us to be yielded to him. And he'll use whatever we give him. And we see David did that. He just gave up and yielded himself. That's what God's asking us to do when he's calling us to participate. Just get in the game and give me, surrender to me, and let me do through you those things that I can do through you. So we see notice his tools. But then notice his talk. Look down in verse number 45. I love this. I love this. David is talking the talk here, buddy. Goliath says to David, and the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, 
But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. If you're willing to give God the glory, he'll use you. If you're willing to give God the glory, he'll use you. When you try and take it for yourself, you've set yourself on a shelf. You're setting yourself up for failure. But he said, I want God to have the glory for these things that are going on. But I want you to see something. David talked the talk. But before you can talk the talk, there better be something to back it up. David had a life and a relationship with God that backed it up. Look over in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. We have a group of people that talked the talk over here. But it didn't, didn't work out so good because there was no heart behind it. There was no true relationship with God behind it. Over in 1 Samuel chapter number 4, verses 10 and 11, it says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of the Lord was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. These men brought the ark out and they said, let's get excited. The ark is here. God's going to do something great. We have God's presence. And they didn't back it up with a true relationship with God. They were sinful. They were living wickedly. And because of that, there was no power of God upon their life. But we see here in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, David had a true walk with God. He had God's power upon his life. And because of that, he could say the things that he said. And ultimately, it was to give glory to God. So notice his tools, his talk, and his participation. But then lastly, notice his triumph. Notice his triumph here in the passage. Listen, I want you to go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 17, verse number 11 with me. This is where we enter into the story. And as you enter into the story here in verse number 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know what our churches need? They need people of faith. Because when we lead in faith and live in faith, God brings new, breathes new expectancy, new excitement, new victory into church bodies. That's what God desires to do. And it comes when God uses someone who is in touch with him and asking for God to use. They're willing, here it is, they're willing to walk by faith. Let me give you an example, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, for years, the walls were not built in Jerusalem. And much the same way as when David showed up, after Nehemiah showed up, in a very short amount of time, things turned around. What made the difference? It was faith. What's going to make the difference in the churches that you go to serve in? It's faith. We must walk and live and serve by faith. So we see here David's victory. Notice his triumph. In verse number 49, And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and he slang it. I love that. That's good. The good old southern England. He slang it. Verse number 49, and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk in his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling 
and with a stone (laughs) and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And notice what it did to the people of God. Verse number 52. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou came into the valley and to the gates of Ekron and wounded the Philistines. uh, and And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way. Verse number 53, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines. So we see that he, in, he invigorated a whole group of people. How? By his faith. By his faith. Listen, that's what we need. I'm sure some of you that have preached in different churches or pastored in different churches, you, you look around and you're thinking the people of God just need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit to work through us. How's that going to come? It's going to come by faith. It's going to come by living by faith, by fighting by faith, by uh, preaching (laughs) the word of God because it can invigorate them. And and listen, leading by faith, leading by faith. Let me go back and and just pick up one thing before I finish out this morning. I I mentioned this a while ago. To verse number 38, all the way to verse number 38 in this passage, everybody so far are the friends of David. They don't act like it. His brother. Who'd you leave those few sheep with? That doesn't sound like a friend, does it? It Personally criticize him. Notice what David says to his brother. What does he say? He says one general statement. He says, is there not a cause? But he doesn't come back at his brother. You know what he does? He just focuses on the real enemy. Listen, let's not kill one another. And you're going to have hurting people that are around you where you're called to minister, and they're going to say things that are personal criticism. They're going to give you their professional opinions and tell you you can't do the job. But you know what you need to do? You need to put your head down, keep your eyes on the Lord, and keep moving forward. And that's what David does here. David realizes that the enemy is found in verses 39 and following. He says, listen, I'm not going to attack my own. I'm not going to attack Saul. I'm not going to attack Eliab. I'm not going to attack these men that don't have enough backbone to get out there and fight Goliath. You know what he said? I'm just going to follow God and let him use me. <laughs> Do you need a whole army if God's with you? Answer is no. And sometimes in the places where God's going to call you, you're going to have to stand alone with God. But understand, with God, you're a majority. And you can move forward and see great things accomplished. And listen, when God uses you, don't miss this. This is one of the most wonderful things in ministry. When God uses you, it gives new life to them that have criticized you. They see, hey, God used them. God, don't you know Eliab was in that group of guys that were chasing after the Philistines? Don't you know that some of those guys that were criticizing David as just the little boy that's going to go out and do great things, all of a sudden they're invigorated by the faith that he expressed and they said, let's go, let's fight these Philistines. David didn't kill all them. Let's not kill our own. Let's focus on who the real enemy is. And we see that David does that here in this passage. And notice his triumph. The enemies of God were defeated. The children of God We're delighted. And then lastly, the glory of God was declared. That's the bottom line, folks. That's what we're in this for. We're here to give God the glory. We're not here to build our own kingdoms. 
We're not here to make ourselves look good. We're not here to make the group look good. We're here to bring glory to God. That's a noble cause. And when things get difficult, you'll stick with it if that's your cause. If your cause is making a kingdom for yourself, if your cause is giving the group the glory, you're going to bail. You're going to look for another group. But if the cause is bringing God glory, if he says stay, you stay. If he says work, you work. If he says wait, you wait. If he says continue, you continue. Because through him, great things can be done. Through him, there's great potential. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, let's fight the good fight. It's important because God should have the glory. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you for what we see in David's life. Lord, I pray that this would encourage us. Lord, it's difficult what you've called us to do. But if it wasn't difficult, we wouldn't need you to do it through us. Lord, I do pray that you would use us. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's struggling with discouragement, Lord, I pray they'd be encouraged that through Christ they can do all things that you desire for them to accomplish. Lord, I do pray that some that may be in ministry that are discouraged, they would get their head up and they would realize that God is more than enough to help them and to encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would give this, young, this group of young people just a, a perception and a wisdom of what they're getting ready to head into, but also a, a, a deep encouragement that God is more than enough to be able to meet the challenges that are ahead. We love you, Lord. We thank you and praise you for all you've done. You work in this invitation as you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.